0: Welcome to the Delicious Brainwaves podcast. As you can hear, I'm not Brad Tunar, because Brad's taking a break this time. Uh, I'm Ian Paulson, I'm a product manager at Delicious Brains, and today I'm joined by Jonathan Bossinger, our developer educator. Hi, Jonathan, thanks for joining me.
1: Hey, uh, nice to nice to be here, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, no worries, thanks. Um, yeah, so thanks for joining me, and today we're going to be talking about changing lanes or the process of switching your career path. Um, I think this is quite a good topic for both of us to be chatting about um, something I've personally done recently. I say recently, probably last year, early last year. I went through the process of moving from being uh, a developer at Delicious Brains to now being a product manager inside Delicious Brains. Um, so I'm kind of, I think Brad mentioned it the last time I was on the podcast, I'm now responsible for the plugins, um, managing from a product point of view, which is WP Migrate DB Pro. WP offload media and offload SES, and across our sites as well. Um, and Jonathan, you've recently well, you've recently joined the team. First and foremost, congrats and welcome. It's really good to have you on board. Um, but you've come on board in a different role than you were at your last company. Um, so yeah, I thought that'd be really good. We we have that chat today and uh, and just sort of talk around it because I guess. There's lots of people who are either in roles that they're not happy with in the in the community, who want to move into roles, um, and and just how how people sort of view their future of their career and what they can do. Can they move up? Can they move sideways? Um, so yeah, let's let's get into it.
1: Mm. Before we do though, I I would like to mention that. Um, when I announced the change, I actually got quite a few people contact me and ask me about it. So I'm really glad we're doing this chat today because I think people are scared to change roles. I think that's a big factor. Um, so that's something I'd like to for us to maybe think about as we're, as we're talking about this. But uh, before we do get into all of that, maybe Ian, maybe you'd like to, to talk about your sort of journey and what it's been like. And and maybe we, if we can start with a little bit about how the change came to be, like what what was the the spark that that took you from from developer to product manager?
0: Sure, yeah. Um, I guess really the the main change was due to how the Delicious Brains team was growing. uh, And how we started out was kind of a really flat structure. Uh, Up until a few years ago, we were basically all developers who managed support, wrote for the blog, developed the plugins, um, and worked on the products. And then there was kind of Brad who... You know, founder, CEO, owner, wearer of many hats, was doing a lot of stuff. You know, he's wearing many hats and basically spread quite thinly. He was doing marketing. He was doing design. He was doing the product management. He was working uh, on the product and the plug-in roadmaps. Uh, and I think he got to a point where he thought it's not really sustainable and we probably need to hire a product manager to manage the individual product teams the plug-in teams um and to to kind of take ownership of where they were going and do the to the do the day-to-day management of uh the, the plug-in teams the releases keeping on on top of what was going into those shaping the roadmap doing all of the work with customers and all of that stuff um but i i think i remember rightly he you know, he deliberated over it a while for a while and thought about the negatives. If we hired somebody external who was perhaps a product manager, that was what they did, and you know they'd be coming quite cold to the products. Um, and I think he, he saw the value in having somebody who just knew the products, so it'd be you know somebody from within the team. Um, and then that's when he started talking to me about it because you know I, I think. I, when we first started hiring and when I joined in 2014, I was kind of the second hire after Jonesy. So we're the old timers of the um, of the team. And But along that journey or along that time, I've kind of worked on MigrateDB Pro. I've worked on Offload Media. I've been around the block and I think Brad described me as a journeyman of the team, which I'm still not sure if that's a compliment or not. <laughs> um, so basically, I, you know, I, I knew all the products um, and uh because i i don't know if it's a personality thing but because i'd always be interested in what was going on across the team across the different plugins making sure things were you know if i saw an issue i would try and address it i would respond to stuff on social media or i you know i'd kind of just be involved and um you know try to take ownership more than just what i was doing from a day-to-day perspective that brad sort of thought well maybe that would make me a good fit for the role and we talked about it and yeah it kind of grew over time or i grew into it and we worked out the best path to like trans transfer into that role because at the time i was still doing development i was working on the sites as a project so whenever we were doing kind of major changes to how Our WooCommerce, e-commerce side of things was working. There was some, you know, hefty projects that I was still involved in. So it took a while to kind of migrate to full time product manager. Um But yeah, it's that's kind of how it started and how it's ended up really, which is which is good. Um
1: yeah. Cool. And so and so when those conversations were happening, you know, what were your what were your emotions around that? You know, did you did you feel like that was something that you wanted to do? Were you maybe not sure? Were you nervous? Were you scared? You know, kind of making that, that that switch bring brings with it possibly some uncertainty. Kind of what was what was that like sort of on you emotionally?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think you know, initially and overridingly, I was happy and I was up for the challenge, and I think I thought it would be a good role to uh go into and to to improve and learn and grow into because um, you know I, I've been a developer for a long time and I think w- when you're a developer you, you're in the weeds and you see things at a certain level and you're you know your mind is consumed by technical challenges rather than you know the higher level of what the product needs or what's good for the product is this going to be um, a new feature that uh, customers are going to need is it going to be something that moves the needle in terms of revenue rather than I just know how to get this implementation done or this is a great technical challenge and I'm just going to go into this and go down the rabbit hole like it was a a completely different mindset and I was quite happy to make that shift I think Um, but I was nervous about the the change in role because it's a complete uh, different change of like a day-to-day activities and knowing as a developer, that you're going to get up in the morning, you're going to check support, you're going to start working on the bug or the feature that you're working on, you're going to, you know, go through the process of recreating it, fixing it, testing it. Like all of that stuff is a known quantity and knowing what you're going to do day-to-day is super easy to just to keep uh, rolling on and, you know, that's that muscle memory of being a developer and what that means with your day-to-day work. But the product manager role, because we were kind of, Forging it from afresh within the team, like I didn't know what I'd be doing. I, you know, I kind of you, you knew high level what that role was supposed to do, but like what what would I be doing on a day to day basis? Kind of thing. That that's what scared me, and that's what made me nervous. And and you know, frankly, because Brad was doing those jobs and those roles, I didn't want to kind of say, "Oh yes, I'll do it," and then not do what he expected of, because he was, he, you know he was taking care of those things and so I wanted to make sure that we were both on the same page of what my role and what the day-to-day stuff that I'd be doing would be so I I think once we got through the period of like uh defining the role and shaping exactly what it would be what I'd be doing um then I felt a little bit more confident going into it um but yeah definitely scared starting a new thing and not uh not just being a member of the team, like it's a slightly different shift in terms of the like, organizational structure, I guess, um, and not just being another developer. But yeah, it's it's been fun.
1: You you mentioned that organizational structure and that you know not being another developer. Did you did you worry about you know going from being part of the team to now leading a team? Um, being part of a group of people to now being the person responsible for that group of people.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I don't think I worried so much because I think I'm maybe in the small amount of, you know, the team is like 10 folks or, or a little bit smaller at the time. Like I always felt like I was probably one of the louder people. So it didn't seem like it would be too different to suddenly being a very quiet developer, just getting on with my own stuff and then suddenly... Being involved in in other people's day to day work um, because I don't know personality wise it felt like it was a good fit, um, but I think the the most important thing I I'm trying to um, grow into and understand that it's not leading people it's like a it's a product manager role but I'm managing the products not the people kind of thing like you know we've got highly skilled highly experienced developers on the team that know how to to work and it's not it's not necessarily an HR role in that sense, but I think you know Brad's making this clear to me through the stuff that he's doing, and I'm learning from him that it's you're not a leader, you're a coach. You're facilitating your the team players to to get on with what they do best, taking you know roadblocks out of their way and making sure that they're on the right path. But you know that they can they can get on and do it themselves, kind of thing. Without me, there's no. Cracking of the whip or anything like that, um, which is good, which is fine. I don't, you know, I don't want to be that person. I'd rather, uh, I'd rather help and assist people um, and let them do all the good stuff.
1: Mm. That's a that's a very good point you cover there, and I think that's a point that a lot of people miss when they move into that type of leadership role. Is that your job is not to crack the whip. Your job is to be more like a coach. Um, you know, it's, it's less less of the stick and more of the carrot kind of thing. You know, so so how do you how do you inspire people to to do their work and to get things done versus how do you walk around you know throwing your weights around um so if you look at if you look at what you're doing day to day now versus what you were doing day to day before you have alluded to it a little bit earlier but what does your typical day look like now versus what it used to look like
0: yeah i mean i I, i'm not doing any development now so i'm you know i'm only in github from a a point of view of looking at the issues and checking out milestones and um yeah at the moment it's a combination of managing releases working out when um what's going into those releases um preparing for releases and we're recording this the day after wp migrate db pro 2.0 has just been released <laughs> so there's a lot of work yeah exactly Poppers, party poppers and cannons coming out there. But it, it was, uh, yeah, That there was a lot of work culminating with that yesterday. So that kind of, that almost felt like non-typical day-to-day work um, because it's release prepping and making sure all of the bits are pulled together. But yeah, it, it, it's a high level kind of um, making sure that from the product point of view, the roadmap is right. So setting the roadmap with Brad. Um, so he's you know the the biggest um, win for him at this point of moving me into this role means that he is not meeting weekly with the product teams he's only meeting weekly w- with me once and we're having sort of the higher level discussions of of how the how the releases are going how the teams are going what's what's um what's on there like what's on the horizon for them or what's the initial what's the blockers for them at the moment and then we can talk about what's uh, what's next? What's the next? What does the next quarter look like? What does the year look like? Um, so it's that and it's keeping it's keeping a, um, connected with, we've got support team who are, you know, an external company, but connecting with them, making sure that they're um, told of what's going on or feeding back to them how they're going. So it's connecting there. It's connecting with customers, um, trying to work out, where the sort of the flavour from or, or the desire from customers for new features are coming through and, and filtering that through to make it align with what we want to do with the roadmap. Um, so, yeah, it, it touches quite a lot. But, yeah, day-to-day, to, day to day, maybe maybe I could answer this question better in in a month's time once we're not out of this release, um, you know, frenzy. But, yeah, it's, it, it's very different to development. And I think... Um, the biggest thing for me is I don't mind that I'm not doing so much development at the moment Um, because, I mean, I'm doing development on side projects and stuff, so it's not like I'm losing the developer skill set. But I'm still, you know, technically minded enough to be able to um, help when it comes to talking through issues with the team. Like if they've got a technical problem, is it a technical problem enough that is that we should hold up the release for, or should we put this in the, you know, understanding sort of the problems that might be, um, that might cause them problems like, and, and the scope of those issues, um, is, is helpful. I think rather than being a non-technical product or project manager. Hmm.
1: Um, I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned that because I wanted to ask you, how hard is it for you if you see a technical problem that you know you can fix to then not, and have to wait for somebody in the team to be able to schedule it in or whatever. Like, do you, did you find that process difficult in the beginning, or, or have you settled into that quite quite nicely?
0: I think because I, you know I've gone from when it, where I was before when I was developing the sites and working on the site as a as a project. Obviously, they're not our products, but they are sizable enough in terms of the work we've got to do, the bugs, the, the features, we the improvements we want to add um, to shift to the plugins for as a product manager like i I wasn't just making changes to migrate db pro whenever or or offload media like uh, so i i don't have that um i don't have that kind of uh temptation to do that um so yeah it's not too bad i mean i i will if i if i raise a bug for example i might just have a quick look think oh well you know i know what this is related to and i might just give a very thorough bug report um but yeah, I, I'm, I'm quite happy for the guys who know the products much better than I do to fix the issues and, and do what they need to do. Um, the, the biggest technical challenge, I think, or the biggest challenge, not technical, has been um, learning how best to kind of communicate proposals for new features. So I come from a background of like, I, I used to work in the IT department at the bank, like years ago. And we'd be it'd be a very much of a waterfall approach where there would be people writing functional requirements, non-functional requirements, and there'd be some real planning going into that those documents before they even get to the programmers, before they go from the business to the to the you know the to the IT department. And like, I need to remind myself that if I'm rec- writing down, like, okay, so this is a new feature that we're going to put into this next milestone. This is what it, you know. This is what it's going to solve, and this is kind of how it should be doing. That I need to make sure I'm not prescribing solutions. I'm just describing what, from the business point of view, we need it to solve. Um, and obviously, we've got developers on the team who are very adept at creating solutions from those requirements, rather than just being told what to do. Um, so yeah, and so that's the issue. I think being technical enough to know how I would do it, to not put my uh, view too much onto those requirements, if that makes sense.
1: Mm. Mm, that's interesting. I, I never even thought about that. Um, yeah, there's probably some kind of bias that you have in terms of how you would solve a problem, um, and and you don't you don't necessarily want. You 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 actually want the developers to to present their own solutions because they might be way better, and you don't want your own bias to to get involved in that process. That's that's super yeah. interesting. And, and
0: and they and they have the background knowledge of the product to mm. to to say what's the best way to do it, rather than you know what the what the product managers asking is not the right way kind of thing. Yeah.
1: Mm. Interesting. Have you have you found that uh, you've had to learn to do something, either something new or something better that, you you know, weren't so great at before during this process?
0: I wouldn't I wouldn't say learn in the typical sense of going to research uh, a way to do it or to improve, but it's just, I don't know, learning, learning the role and learning how like, like the example I just mentioned, you know, sort of trial and error really finding my way and and getting feedback from the team and understanding that you know this is a new thing for me it's a new thing for them because previously they would just be working as a team without and and just kind of talking weekly to brad and uh, who's you know it it was a different hierarchy at that point in terms of their communication lines not hierarchy but communication structure so yeah, just just learning through mistakes and learning through feedback, um, rather than going off and consuming a course on how to be a product manager type thing. But maybe that would be helpful as well. <laughs> but.
1: well, it's interesting because I don't I don't think I mean I could be wrong, but I don't think there are external resources necessarily that can help you too much with this kind of thing. I think you know something that you've mentioned about learning learning. You mentioned learning from mistakes, but also learning from feedback. Um, that strikes me as you're the kind of person who is open enough to receive feedback from, from the team when, when you possibly, you know, make a mistake or, or have an opinion that, or, you know, include some of your bias. Um, that was something that I always thought about in terms of, you know, leveling up is, is being able to be open to, to feedback, um, being open to positive and negative feedback um, and maybe not taking it personally and just kind of seeing it as a learning opportunity. Uh, so, th- so the fact that you mentioned that I think is super important
0: yeah and I think because we've we've gone from this this structure like I mentioned earlier that everybody was a developer and you kind of you're so ingrained with the developer process of feedback that you're getting a pull request a code review of your work and you know you get feedback in that sense for those for those skills as a developer and we've always been quite a good team i think for having a culture where nobody's afraid to sort of call out what might be wrong in a code review you know it's it's a balance to be struck because you want to be critical but you also want to be um it's constructive criticism so there's no kind of walking on eggshells like you don't want to upset people or or not saying stuff because you don't want to upset them but calling out where things are wrong. And and that has worked really well when it comes to the code and how, you know, the output of developers. But when it comes to the output of other jobs that have a different kind of output, you need to have that same, you know, not walking on eggshells, but constructive criticism of the the things that people are doing in those different roles. Um, So hopefully that's translating to the product manager role as well mm. um but yeah i i do think we um it's there is hopefully a culture where people aren't afraid to sort of just say oh you know you you said this the other day and it kind of put us in a position where we felt like this and i would it, it you know i want to tell you that it made us feel like this and you know i hope that the, that's the ability they have the team and everybody has the ability to say that and in an ad hoc sense but there is also, like, you know, the, the, uh, the annual type um, meetings that Brad has with everybody just to sort of say, like, how you're getting on and have you got any issues. And the, hopefully the communication lines are open. Um, and, yeah, as you said, I, I'm definitely up for hearing feedback, good or negative kind of thing.
1: Well, the rest of the Del- Delicious Brains team, if you're listening, you got it straight from the horse's mouth. <laughs> 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 the one, the one thing that I that I discovered when I switched from being a developer to not being a developer was suddenly my ability to track my output was completely different. Um, you know, I used to be able to track my output based on things like tickets closed or, you know, time spent in IDE. I had something like Wacker Time installed in my in my PHP Storm, and it would tell me how many minutes a day I'd spent in PHP and JavaScript and whatever else um what what have what have you experienced with that process of of not having these sort of very clear ways of measuring whether you're doing an a enough and b good enough work
0: yeah I was going to ask you the same question actually because it is so hard in a in a non technical role to kind of manage your productivity and how do you class a productive day mm-hmm. um i think i you know i've gone to more of a process uh, or more of a process of having to do lists that you know I need to write this this um, this new process or I need to respond to these pull requests, I need to go and um, manage or put together the next milestone or I need to go and speak to this customer or I need to go and talk to this other product team about collaboration. You know, all of those to-do list items that I need to kind of get through. So in terms of productivity, making sure I'm ticking things off is good, obviously. Um, but yeah coupled with that as well coming from a developer background you don't we we put almost too much stock even as developers now in lines of code written as a productivity thing rather than like you know you've got to think about what you're doing and thinking is probably should be 80% of the time and coding should be 20% of the time so even though you know we were used to that kind of like oh how how many things have we done or what lines of code we've done that's almost not a good measure either you know but yeah it's it's a lot of to-do lists and a lot of um wrangling other items and very different types of work at the moment Hmm. um
1: it's funny funny you mentioned that that that, that is that you know if you'd ask me that question that's my answer as well and ironically i was actually watching there's a there's a show on netflix that my kids are watching at the moment called brainchild and it's kind of delving into various topics you know um scientific stuff emotional stuff how the body works how the earth works that kind of thing and and yesterday there was an episode on um something about if you if you keep failing at something and then you try something that you can actually do You'll, you'll not do that thing well because you failed previously at something else and it puts you in this sort of emotional response state of, well, I'm not good at anything, so I can't even do this thing. Um, and mm-hmm. they talk and they talk about, you know, if you're struggling with something, then go off for five minutes and do something else that you're good at that gives you that dopamine hit that puts you in a good a good space and then come back and tackle the problem. And in the space of that conversation, they spoke about the fact that if you're dealing with a big problem or, you know, lots of things going on, the, the value of, of making lists... Um, and I think that as as developers, we don't realize that we're actually working in a to do list environment when we're closing tickets, um, you know, when we're marking off pull requests, that kind of thing. We kind of almost build this this um, this subconscious state of ticking things off, but we don't actually tick them off. And so when we suddenly don't have those things, we feel lost. And so I also found that I hadn't I hadn't used Trello in years because I was working in GitHub and wherever else and managing things there. And suddenly just recreating a bunch of Trello boards um, with all my tasks and just the, the the power of moving them to the complete column um, and then reviewing that at the end of the week and going, okay, well, this is what I did this week or, you know, this is what I did today or whatever, really, really helped.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, you're right. Not There is a uh, it's a dual benefit, isn't there, to lists. It's working out what you've got to do, mm. but also being able to view what you've done. Mm. Uh, and and that is, that's a huge... Um, that's a huge win when it comes to understanding that actually you've had a good, you have had a good week, or you know, it's it's very hard to try and recall exactly what you've done if you've not got it documented in some form like that. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Do you? Well, I think. Yeah. Sorry, you go. No, go for it. Well, I was going to switch topics. So unless you wanted to, are you are you done?
1: We can always jump back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. We, yeah, we've talked about my sort of transition to more of a managerial role, even though, yes, I've said it's not really an HRE type thing, people manager. But it is definitely more of a traditional path when it comes to uh, sort of IT, software development, tr- where people move from being a developer to moving into management. And it always feels like that's a predefined path that people have to take to, to kind of, I guess, get more job satisfaction but also through maybe a salary i don't know it's it just seems to be the de facto path of people and that doesn't always have to be the case i don't think because not everyone wants to do that type of role like people just want to be developers and that's what they're good at and that's actually great because there's always a need for people to move to senior lead developer roles Um, so i guess the alternative to that and this is the segue to your story jonathan is you know a lateral move switching switching actual role type from something that isn't a developer but to something completely different within you know the organization um so yeah it's let's get into that because i'm i'm interested in your story how you've got to where you are now and what where you've been and obviously now you're a delicious brains member of the team which how long have you been um, i mean it feels uh, ages <laughs> it's but
1: it's literally only been 2 <laughs> months i started 2 months ago what,
0: oh, and, and that's made it feel much longer, or probably because you know you've you've been pushed right into the deep end of like right we've got to do all of the new documentation for migrate DB Pro we've got all of this new copy, and amidst the release frenzy it feels like you're just you've just been around for ages, in a good way, in a good way. Well, I think
1: <laughs> I think for you as well, maybe personally it feels like I've been around for ages because you and I have been communicating with each other pretty much since Berlin 2019 um you know for those that don't know um i met ian and most of the team in, in berlin at WordCamp camp europe and then when i was working at castos um you were testing it out and so you were contacting me so i think you and i have a bit of a longer relationship which might be why it feels yes way for you
0: <laughs> um yes, yeah exactly for- yeah there's this this podcast is hosted on Castos isn't it so that's how we got to to know each other a bit more i've given you bug reports back then <laughs>
1: absolutely <laughs> um so yeah so i've you know t- t- tomorrow will be the end of my second month at delicious brains um and yeah i i i took a very a- i a very natural move i mean i am still in the realm of development you know my my position is developer educator so i am still I still have a php storm instance that i use to you know fiddle with code snippets for articles or docs or whatever the case may be but i'm definitely not writing code anywhere near what i was doing in my previous role Um, if we if we want to go back as you know go back a step i left i left castos which as as ian said is, is where this podcast is hosted um as as the lead developer there um i had started working with craig as a freelancer back when i was still freelancing um he reached out to me through a mutual friend he was building he just acquired the seriously simple podcasting plugin and he was wanting to build um, an app around that and so through this friend of mine who was the person who sold the plugin uh, i just started working with craig as a regular freelancer you know he would he would send me requirements i would maybe maybe they were large and i would put together a requirement stock and then you know estimate and then bold um, or maybe they were small enough and we could just work them out work them out together um, and that, and that over time, led to him offering me more of a sort of fixed contract, contract-based role. Um, eventually, um, in 2019, Castos became part of the Tiny Seed uh, Fund, which was the sort of uh, investment into the business. Um, and, and at that point, he started, you know, hiring more staff, um, and then he offered me a full-time position. Um, <clears throat> and then. I think it was around about the same time I've, I effectively became you know lead developer of the project which at the time was myself and one, one other developer um, and the great thing about and you probably experienced this with, with Brad as well the great thing about working as sort of you know employee number less than five is you have a bit more of a direct relationship with the founder of the business uh, so you'll have chats where there'll be less about business and more just about hey how you doing what's up how's how's work how's life those kind of things And so at some points during regular conversations that we would have, um, a job opening came up in conversation because I had reached a point where I was saying to Craig, I don't see myself being a developer for the rest of my life. Um, I reached 40 in 2017. Um, and I started thinking about what do I really want to be doing the rest of my life? Do I want to be writing code? Do I want to be involved in, in, you know, software product development? And so I just spent a lot of time thinking about what I wanted to do with my life. And and during the, during the process of that journey, I started writing more. I started doing freelance writing more. Um, it was something that was always a hobby of mine. It was something that I enjoyed doing, but never something that I could see as a career because I just didn't have that background or that experience. And anyway, during that process of me me expressing this to Craig and him saying to me, well, what would you like to be, you know, if not a developer? And I said, well, maybe a writer. Um, and he said, well, it's interesting because there's this friend of his called Brad who owns this company called Delicious Brains who I knew who has this position open. Um, and this was probably about a year and a half ago, maybe even a bit more than that now. And I kind of went, oh, okay, that's cool. And sort of put it on the back burner. and never thought about it again. Um, and I just kind of carried on, you know, things were going well. I was enjoying working with the team. We we hired another developer. We hired more support staff. The business was growing. Um, you know, th- things were going really, really well. I I can't complain. I can't say that I left because I was unhappy there. I can't say that I left because the business was tanking or anything like that. I just really got to a point where I realized that I really wasn't enjoying what you experienced yesterday that process of software development product releases dealing with the support it was becoming more and more of a stress it was becoming less and less i say fun is the wrong word because work shouldn't really be fun but you should want to get up every morning and go and do it Um, and i was getting to a point where getting up every morning and going doing it was becoming harder and harder and so I started looking at, you know, what else am I interested in um, and and moving into, and, and then I saw the sort of concept of developer advocacy, you know, developer relations, you know, dealing with people, talking to people, sharing knowledge. It's something that i would always done on my own blog. Um, I have been told by by many folks that I am a good teacher. I'm good at bringing across difficult topics in a simple way. Um, so I kind of thought, you know, maybe that's something that I could move into, Um and then this this job posting that I'd bookmarked popped up in my head again. Um, and so it eventually got to a point where at the end of, at the end of 2020, after the year that was 2020, um, I kind of went, well, maybe I need to finally give this a shot, you know, uh, grab the bull by the horns. Um, and I even reached out to you, I think, at some point And I said, you know, is Brad still looking for somebody? But yet I still couldn't apply for some reason. You know, fear, call it fear if you want, call it Uh, imposter syndrome call it i'm not good enough i don't know what it was Um, and then ironically in i think it was november december last year somebody within the team sent me a private message in slack and said hey did you know that delicious brains had featured uh, your php 8 article from wp tavern um, in their delicious digest and i went that's interesting um and so i reached out to brad and i said hey you know i see you first of all thank you for including my article it's really cool you know it's a company that i respect and i've followed for many many years and i'd like to know like is that the kind of thing that you're looking for for this role um and and so we just chatted about it and and yeah i pulled the trigger at the end of last year and and the rest is history
0: <laughs> that's that's such a great story and also so so funny that and interesting from your side that you know you kind of thinking is this a role that i you know i want to do or could be good at or is it you know and you didn't you didn't immediately apply and along that side or along that time on the other side we were hiring thinking is this a unicorn role are we ever going to find somebody that's going to want to Sort of be a developer, but then move to just sort of more full time writing and being, uh, you know, an educator around it. Is that some, somebody? Would somebody want to do that? Like, do they exist? And you're sitting there going, "Oh, do you know?" <laughs> and it, it, it's so good that it's come together. And obviously, yeah, the two months you've been here, it's been, it's been great to have you on board. Let me just say that right now, because you know, having somebody who's dedicated to producing the content that we need like and well I say content in a loose term because you, you know you've you've touched video you've touched docs you've touched blog posts release posts emails like you're just kind of um hitting the ground running across a lot of stuff um and yeah in terms of hiring thinking is it possible to get somebody in that role it's it's been a, an amazing sort of tick off the box there um so yeah it, it's yeah, great to have you on board. Thank you. But it, uh, 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 that's from my our point of view. But how are you finding it so far? Like, it, are you feeling like it's weird? Like, I'm writing every day. Are you still sort of suffering imposter syndrome, or are you still do you, do you miss development? Like, talk to me about that. So, so that's interesting because I
1: I could be wrong about this. I went through I went through quite a bit of personal growth let's say in the last five years or so um, and and to give you a bit of background um, when I was working as a freelance WordPress developer I was also um, working in a business that my wife uh, was running it was basically a family business that that um, she took over from from basically purchased you know acquired if you will from her from her family um, and when that happened, she said to me, and at the time, back then, this was before the children were born, so I think it was about 2011. I was at that stage working as um, development manager for a local uh, company. It was a sales-related company. We had a very small IT team. Everything in the company was open source, so all of the administration was was web-based. So you know, PHP, HTML, CSS. Um, React didn't exist back then, as far as I remember. Um, and so, and so, you know, my wife said to me, there's this opportunity to run the business, you know, be be self-employed. You know, at that stage, being self-employed was kind of, you know, a great, great concept. People were, you know, working from home wasn't really that new, so we'd be able to run our own lives, do our own thing. Um, but the agreement was that I would sort of stay in the development sphere um, just in case, you know, because, you know, working for yourself... It's great, but if things go horribly wrong, you need to have some kind of fallback. And so, and so that was the idea that I would stay with because, you know, the world was moving towards programming, web development, that kind of thing. So I would stay in that realm and I would kind of work as a freelancer or a contractor or whatever. And the, my, my plan was, okay, Let me, I'll try this freelancing thing. Um, I'd never really done it on my own. I'd worked with other people before in, in my history, but I'd never tried it on my own and try to build up my own client base. And in doing so, I reached out to a few people that I'd spoken to over time, and one of those people was a CEO of his own company, and he was just looking for developers, and he was happy for me to come on board in a part-time situation. So I went from working full-time at a company to working part-time at a company, but never got around to doing that freelance thing. Um, and anyway, fast forward to, to 2015, um, I got to a point where that situation, by then, both of, both of our children had been born. Um, and I got to a point where I was trying to do too many different things to try and move away from that, that company because they were, they, they were needing a full-time developer and it's not their fault. I don't blame them, but they were almost trying to get a full-time developers worth of hours out of a guy who was there for 21 hours a a week kind of thing. Um, and, and I almost realized that I needed to leave so that they would replace me with a full-time dev and everybody would be happy. So that was the first time that I went, you know, truly freelance dev but I didn't actually want to be a dev. I wanted to use Divi theme. I wanted to just build websites. I wanted to not have to write code. So even back then, I was kind of already moving away from this writing code all the time thing. And in the process of doing that, I realized that there is still a space for developers who can code. Um, You know, I I assume because of WordPress, because of WordPress plugins, people don't need PHP devs in WordPress. And guess what? They do. And they still do to this day. And Codable is proof of that. (laughs) Um, But I just thought I'd be building sites and I'd be doing more designer type stuff and I wouldn't be writing code. And in the process of all of that, I realized that writing on my blog is a way of generating traffic to customers to get them to sign up with me and in the process of that i got into communication with the marketing manager then at codable and he spoke to me about he wanted to start a program where he teaches other developers to be better writers because of the benefit and there was a few there's a few guys in the codable community who have really amazing blogs and they understand how marketing yourself through through writing can can turn into into business and it was that process that, that kind of re-sparked this idea of writing and turning writing into money. But again, I never thought about it being something that I could do. It was always development was development was the how I made money. Writing was directing people to the how I made money. But I was already kind of falling out of love with it. I was falling out of love with, you know, um, dealing with maybe the releases and dealing with pushing things out that break people's sights and, and all of that. Um, and I think that what I discovered over that time was that emotionally, um, I struggle with with putting something out there that if somebody upgrades it on their WordPress sites and it balks their site, I take that super personally. Um, and I've realized that as a developer, possibly even as a project manager, you need to be able to separate yourself from that. Um, so I realized that where I wanted to go needed to be in a space where I was supporting and helping. The people who do the product development and the product releases, so that they can do their job better, but I don't have to worry about the emotional attachment to the product, um, and that's and that's what's kind of led me to that switch. Um, and the original goal was was more developer advocacy, so it was more, you know, I. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably noticed I can talk quite comfortably when I'm when I'm talking about things that I like to talk about. You know, I like presenting presenting at conferences and that kind of thing. So that was kind of the original goal. I never thought of myself as a content creator. Um, I never thought of myself as a writer. When I applied to Delicious Brains, it was only because I'd gone through this whole process and then spoken to Brad. If I hadn't, if mm. I, I'm telling you now, if 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 Delicious Brains hadn't have included that PHP article in the Delicious Digest, I would probably have never applied. Um, so so yes, I do believe. That person who has the person who comes from being a developer, being a confident developer, but is a writer as well, doesn't exist. Um, I think that you're either one or the other. And I just because of my past and my history just happened to have this fortunate combination of events and and experience that that made me pretty good for the role. Um, Mm. But because of my own, you know, whatever had never applied. I've been to get back to your question now that I've wasted have many minutes. I've been loving my first 2 months here. When when people ask me how is it going? I almost don't want to say how well it's going because I almost don't want to jinx it. But I get up in the morning and I look forward to what I'm going to do. I look forward to the process of of writing, I look forward to the process of putting code snippets together, recording videos. I'll share. I'll share honest with you, honestly with you now and the rest of the listeners. It still freaks me out that my video is on the new Migrate DB Pro homepage. I feel like that shouldn't that shouldn't be. It should be more professional. Um, but but it's there and it is what it is. But I enjoy the process. Um, I think I'm I'm still struggling a little bit with that. Am I doing enough? You know, should I be doing more? Am I doing too much? Am I trying? Am I? I'm still figuring out. You know, when I was when I was writing code or when I was leading the dev team, I had a pretty good idea of how much I could do in the space of a day or a week, um, because of experience. Now I have no idea what I can do in the space of the week comfortably and properly, uh, what I should be doing. So, that's been a very difficult learning curve. Um, you know, you may have noticed when we have the marketing meetings, I'll often come in with this massive list of things that I want to try and get to thinking I will. And then I'll report back the following week. Well, actually, no, this one took me so much longer because I hadn't anticipated one screenshot actually meaning I had to yeah. redo all the screenshots because I'm changing the URL and it affects that process. Um
0: so, not that much different to develop in in that sense then. You think I could do that in a day, and then two weeks later. I'm still doing this.
1: Well, that's the interesting thing is what I'm discovering is that what I'm doing is not much different to development. It's just a different sphere. But as you said now, you know, this is, oh, this is, you know, I see a ticket for a doc screenshot that needs to be updated. Okay, that'll take me half an hour. Took me a day because that screenshot has the URL of the site in. I'm now taking it with a new URL. I can't now... Leave the rest because the the, the, the reader is going to go through and be copying URLs and suddenly go, oh, this is different. Um, and then it's the review process. So I have to send it out to the team to review and I have to have them go through it and they'll pick up things that I may have missed. Um, so it's just like a code review, you know, and then it's going and making those changes. Um, so I'm actually realizing that my, my knowledge of my own estimation time, I need to apply the same to this. Um, and, and it's actually, and and then it's things like, you know, I have tools that help me write bits. I have, instead of having, you know, a, a code linter that checks my code for coding standards, I now have Grammarly that checks my grammar for things, you know, um, instead of, instead of committing code somewhere and then, you know, updating it somewhere else, there's now a process for that. So I'm, I'm, I'm almost discovering that this role specifically is the only difference between what I used to do when I wrote code and what I'm doing now when I'm writing words, is I don't have to problem solve as much. Um, So I spend less time going, how do I fix the problem and then start writing code? I can just actually start writing. And ironically, that's what I'm better at. Um, I'll be honest with with anybody. I don't consider myself the best developer in the world because I don't tend to spend enough time thinking about all the different angles that I could solve this problem and picking the right one. I tend to be very much, okay, this is the solution, let me go with it. And that's not great for development because, as you said earlier, you need to get feedback and you need to maybe get a review from somebody else and you need to think about the problem really, really deeply. But with writing, you can kind of put together an outline and then start writing and then self-edit um, and come back and, 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 and slowly. So I'm actually almost more suited to the role of, of full-time writer than I ever was as full-time developer, which is which I'm finding really interesting.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to have that sort of level of self awareness and to be able to 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 work out that the role is more suited to your personality type or the way you approach problems. And um, yeah, that's that's super interesting. And I'm glad it's going well so far. Um, and yeah, I guess I did have a question in terms of the overall topic of shifting, um, shifting. Role shifting career, shifting job, like company and all of that stuff. I mean, if anyone is sort of thinking like, I want to move to role A and I'm coming from role B, like what sort of preparation do you think people should be doing? I mean, you were, for for you, you were writing anyway, you were writing on your blog, you were doing, um, you were doing that sort of stuff, but obviously didn't, didn't think it was at the point where you could shift to it full time. Like, What what do you think people should be doing to try and um, I don't know almost bolster their portfolio in general in loose terms, but also the confidence around it. Mm.
1: So so in my experience, what I what I sort of went through was this process of: Am I any good at this? You know, if I want to switch to this role, do I have the skill? Do I have the experience? You know, how do I fix that? And so the two things that I did was, number one, when, when an opportunity arose to write in a, in a freelance paid format. So um, I, I did some writing for the WordPress.com Go blog through, through a, a writer's platform. When that opportunity arose, I grabbed it. Um, and the reason I felt comfortable grabbing it was because it was a newish thing. And so they were just looking for folks who could write not necessarily write well, but who are prepared to write, but also understand the development side of things. And in that process, I got used to the process of being edited by somebody who is a good editor and and dealing with style guides, writing style guides. And, you know, I'm still not great at it. I still forget to do my header cases and my title cases, um, you know, those kind of things. But I at least got into that process of doing that. Um, Then what I also did was I started following people in that realm so there are a number of number of developer advocates and writers um, that i that i look up to that i started following social media and those kind of places and just trying to to sort of learn through osmosis by by watching what they do and and learning from them Um, and that plays a big role because you can now when you're, when you're wanting to learn something or you're wanting to go into an area and you have these people who are already there, you can reach out. And you can ask questions. and You can say, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think? About? I mean, literally the other day, I was asking somebody about screenshots. Um, when, when I first started at Delicious Brains, I just said, anybody in my timeline who's a writer, any books that you recommend, I should be reading. And I got a whole bunch of information back. Um, so just kind of – I almost knew that I wanted to go down that route um, – and so I started I started sort of building up this sort of very small social network um, of people who were already there and then ha- being able to have a situation where I could, you know, reach out to them and ask them those questions. Um, and then lastly, and I'm seeing this a lot a lot more lately, so, so I'll say this to folks as well, just apply. <laughs> um, you know, don't, don't don't allow your own... <laughs> don't do what you did. Yeah, don't do what I did. You know, yeah. I, I wasted a whole year. I could have been doing this a year ago, um, you know. Don't and this is something else that I that I kind of did wrong. Don't feel bad towards your current employer, even if you have an amazing relationship with them. That you're going to be leaving them in the lurch because you're moving on. Uh, for me, that was probably even harder because I I literally built version one of the Castos app myself on my own, you know. So I really felt that I was leaving them in the lurch. And I almost think that my leaving has been good for them. I could be wrong. I don't know. I'd have to check with Craig, but I feel like My leaving has opened them up to bringing in fresh blood with new ideas, um, to be able to do things better than I ever could. Um, so don't feel bad towards your current employer about leaving them in the lurch. If, if, if you're, if you're just not feeling it, um, and there's a position that speaks to you, number one, apply. And number two, if you fulfill 50% of the requirements for that position, apply, um, Get, get your foot in the door and then use that application process to then show the possible employer why you would be great for the role. Um, I'll share I'll share a little bit of personal information. When I applied, the feedback that I got from Brad was this was our best application so far. Uh, if I'd have done that a year ago and, and done the same process, I would have gotten that feedback then already. And then immediately when he said that to me, I didn't feel half as bad as I did about my own skills and experience compared to the job application um so so just apply you know don't not yeah
0: (laughs) yeah applying is 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 a good for many reasons because even if you potentially don't meet the requirements going through the application process is a learning curve is a and it's a learning experience you you've got to put together your cover and letter you've got to go through the the conversations with the hiring manager you might get to interview all of that is learning Mm. even if you don't get to it it's it's not it's not like it shouldn't be treated like a, a shut door or mm. a kick in the teeth. It's mm. it's part of the process. And we see it with, because we've been hiring for site developers and plugin developers for ages now, we see people who, you know, they've got really good uh, applications, they've got good backgrounds, um, but they pr- perhaps don't they don't meet the same level as the people that we put on trial or we end up hiring, but they're still in our pipeline. And we have gone back to people in the past to say, like, are you still interested? Because we're still, we're still hiring. Can we, can we take a look at you again? Can we, could we put you on trial maybe? So you do. People are revisited. Not necessarily. You know, mm. like it might just be uh, a no initially, but you, you get yourself made aware. You put yourself on the sort of the roadmap of, or you know, in front of those hiring managers. Um, so yeah, don't. Yeah, as Jonathan says, don't hesitate to not apply. Mm. Don't hesitate to apply. Yeah,
1: <laughs> absolutely. And I mean, I. You know, I don't think I've spoken publicly about this, but while I was going through this process of is this what I want to do, I've applied at other companies. I, I applied at Automatic twice. Uh, once for a developer role, once for a developer advocate role. Um, I applied in the early days. I applied as a as a senior web engineer at 10Up. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was 10Up. Um, I've applied at a few places and I've you know had varying, varying levels of of success. And that process also helped me define what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. Um, and, and sort of you get, especially in this, in this remote slash distributed world where you get used to having to have an interview via zoom or meet or whatever, you get used to having to write a good cover letter that, that makes you stand out from the rest. You know, you, as you, as you say, you learn from those experiences. So I I think the important the important process is get used to it, get used to that application process, get used to how different companies do things, get used to selling. I mean, I learnt I learned to include information about myself in the application letter that might not even be super relevant to the role, but is more in line with where I want to go. Because then that actually became a talking point in the interview and, and I discovered that that it was actually something that Brad was interested in in getting involved into. Um and so, and so that's part of the reason why what I'm doing has changed slightly from from the original position. Um, and and if I didn't include that information, then it wouldn't be part of my job, you know. So.
0: Yeah, and I wanted to touch on also something you just said there, where about how if people were thinking of applying but they didn't want to because of you know loyalty to their current employer. I think you, I mean you said it. You ha- you had this conversation with Craig who brought up the role to you and I still and, felt like I couldn't you know, from, apply <laughs> yeah but but from the sounds of it was was supportive and was kind of was understanding that your career was not coupled in any way to Castos mm. and the company like the and and I have these conversations with Brad every so often about what's going on in my life what's going on in my future and knowing that you've kind of got um a a boss or you know that the company founder who knows that his employees are not going to be his employees forever and actually it takes an interest in the development the personal development of Mm -hmm. those people is a good thing and and if you're worried about your your boss thinking badly of you if they do think badly of you then you need to get out of that role anyway because it's like that's not the right place it's not the right culture it shouldn't be it shouldn't be how it is yeah because your life should not be defined by the company you work for kind of thing um so yeah that that I always thought, because I knew that story of how Craig, or I heard that story about Craig giving you that uh, job posting, and I thought that was super cool, because that's that's how it should be, mm. and that's, you know, and it's worked out, hopefully, as you say, for Castos as well, because, um, you know, they're going to get fresher, fresher developers, fresher ideas, but also people who want to be doing it full time, like, you know. Exactly. T- to be frank, that's. That's exactly. the main benefit to them,
1: and, yeah. and that's one of the things that I said to Craig when, when, when we sort of had my exit interview, whatever you want to call it. You know, I said to him that I, w- I had reached a point where he wasn't getting the best of me because I wasn't my, my heart just wasn't in it anymore. But now he's going to get people who want to do this. They want to build products all day long. They, they're interested. I, I don't even have a massive interest in podcasting. Um, you know, I, I have a podcast and I mentioned to this to you before we started recording, I have a podcast purely because I was building a podcast platform and so I needed to understand how my customers would use my service. But I'm not a huge podcaster. Um, but what I am is a person who likes you know, working as a developer, working with WordPress, the internet, the web. So switching to a role where the products we're working on is helping other developers, which is what I used to be, or I probably still am. I mean, I can still write code. Um, making their lives easier and and writing content and creating articles around that and ancillary topics is something that I'm way more interested in Um, and so therefore I have way more passion and interest and you know excitement about getting up in the morning and doing a simple thing like updating a document on how to set up uh, Amazon CloudFront for offload media like that to me is way more fun than what it would be to build that plugin. Um, because then I know that's going to go out to a whole bunch of people using the plugin. It's going to make their lives easier to, 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 to use the product. Therefore, my job is, is a success. And, and, and I said to him, even if, even if he offered me more salary, less time, you know, we were having conversations about me going into a CTO type role. Um, so, so becoming, you know, chief technical officer, overseeing all technical decisions, and I just, I just didn't have the, – the, the idea of that didn't make me excited. But the idea of doing what I'm doing now made me excited. And Craig was very respectful of that. And, and he said to me, you know, super sad that you're leaving, but super happy that you're going to do what you want to do. Um, and, that's, and that's hugely important.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's such an important way of just dealing with people. And just having good relationships and continuing those outside of, um, you know, the work, that that um, employment, because you're going to stay friends, and you're going to, yeah, it's it's just so much nicer way to be. Um, well, I'm glad. I'm so glad we've had this conversation because um, it's nice to learn more about your background, and it's nice to actually talk about, you know, how how the product manager role happened for me. So it's it's good to. It's good to get it out, and but it's also hopefully been helpful to other people if they are considering swapping roles, whether or not that be moving a sort of some sort of manager position or changing roles completely. You might be even you know working in customer support and want to be a developer and think that developer and development is kind of beyond your skill set, but it's it's certainly not. I think people should should try and go for and, and not be held back by sort of preconceptions i guess of, of what these roles should be for and who they should be for just just go for it and jonathan obviously is testament to that i think don't 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 make
1: the same mistake i did don't wait a year and a half to apply for what you see as your dream role um, and the interesting thing is that you know this might not be how i feel in 10 years time and that's okay too um but you know i wasted a year and a half where i could have been doing this for a year and a half already uh because of my own fears and because of my own lack of whatever you know don't don't learn from my mistakes don't do what i did
0: <laughs> nice well yeah uh, yeah thanks for chatting with me jonathan and thanks for listening to the delicious Waste podcast and we will catch you next time or one of us will catch you next time and um thanks for listening